You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. Belly on up to the nine-foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. My name is Chris Lanuti. That is Ed over there at the other end of the bar. And uh, we're Sacks in the Basement. And we have a brand new website. Have you, have you been playing we with do. this thing already? Yeah. Have you have you been on it yet? Oh, I, that's what I've been doing all day. Really? Just, just been, no, not at all. But no, I did look at it. Uh, <laughs> I did look at it. I think all of our listeners are going to be very, very happy to see the new SocksInTheBasement.com. Uh, you know, you can listen to the, all the episodes are right there. You can check out the blog. You can do whatever you want to do. It, it's 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 just a very nice website. Well done, Chris. This is how I know that you haven't re- gone through it yet because you don't know all the things that are on the site. You don't understand what it brings to the listeners. This website, which along with the podcast is brought to you by Family Waterproofing Solutions. If you have any foundational issues, if you're seeing like weird things with the cement around your house, the driveway, the, the walk going along the side of your house, that's a foundational issue likely. When you're seeing that shift, if you're seeing any water in the basement, you're worried about seepage, you want to get to it, they will offer a great price and it's an even better price when you mention socks in the basement. Visit them today at FAMWS.com or call that number that's right there on the Socks in the Basement label that is also found at SocksInTheBasement.com. Let me take you through what is available to listeners now as we have stepped our game up immensely. You go to SocksInTheBasement.com and the first thing you're going to see is the episode that's up right now. The latest episode is sitting there right there with a player. You hit the play button, you're going. All right, so you just you just started right off listening the moment that you get there if you want to. You can also look up and you can see a subscribe button. And when you click on that, it will take you to any place that does podcasts. Everywhere podcasts can be found. If you have thought of a place where you like to listen to podcasts, let us know. And you can let us know now through several different ways. You can click on the contact thing and write us something. You can can also leave us a review because all of our reviews across the internet are now in one spot and you can leave a review yourself and have it posted all across the internet, which would be awesome. And then in the bottom right corner, when you're on the mobile app, you got to start scrolling down. If you're on the desktop, it pops up right away. In the bottom right corner, there's this little blue microphone icon. Click on that, and now you can call in anytime, 24-7, and leave a voicemail for us. That's right. You don't have to remember the phone number anymore. You just click on the button from whatever device you're on, and comment on the show. It, it, now, like, you didn't know that because you haven't checked out the website yet, have you? All right, you busted me. I busted I you on that one. Out, and I hadn't I, checked out the website. Okay, and then you have Mismatch Socks up there at the top of the page, and now it's very easy to get to. If you just want to jump right to Mismatch Socks and read the the blatherings of Ed and whatever he's yelling about this week, you can just go to SocksInBasement.com slash Mismatch Socks, or the link is right there for you. Another interesting thing that's on the website that I'm super excited about is the search engine. You know, we always talk about how podcasts are on demand and it's basically on demand radio. But the problem is all the episodes are just listed in whatever player that you're using. Not no more. No, no, not no more. Let's say you listen to something that Ed and I say and you go, those idiots said the exact opposite thing about Luis Roberts six months ago. You can prove it now. You can go right into the search engine. And you can search Louis Robert. 
and every single show that we mention Louis Robert pops up. If you want, <laughs> seriously, I'm if doing, you want, I'm doing it right now. As Chris is talking, I am doing it right now. It is searching. You're yeah. going to get them all. And, and in fact, it actually has, remember when we did the simulated games? If Louis Robert had a big moment in one of the simulated games during the beginning of the pandemic, that pops up as well. You can listen to simulated Luis Robert. You can just go fight it. It has like, like Scott. Oh yeah, or- right there. Sox versus Royals, 329-20. Sox of Twins, 524-20. Right. Fantasy becomes reality for the Sox. Rickon's 2020 White Sox. And, and it's not like anytime I just mention his name. It's when I feature him because it, it's when we mention it inside of the show notes. When we put in there, like we're talking specifically about, you know, Luis Robert this. There's actually one in there when you punch it in. It actually is an interview with Omar Vizquel from two years ago. Yeah. And it's him talking about Robert and Madrigal when they were in double A. And you can go back and you can listen to that from two years ago if you want to get all your Luis Robert content. And then let's say you want to find out what Scott Merkin talks about when he comes on the show. Punch in Scott Merkin. Every time Scott Merkin has appeared on the show, pops up for you. I literally, I just searched Don Paul. Uh, I searched Don Paul all the times you've had the Pope on right there. Every time the Pope's on, put in Ron Kittle. That's a fun one because you can actually hear the progression of the Ron Kittle saga. Where first, like, we were super excited that Ron Kittle was on, and then Ron became fast friends with us, and now Ron doesn't return my phone calls. I don't know why. Right. Uh, yes, that's... <laughs> COVID hit, and Ron doesn't want to be around anybody right now. I'm, yeah, I'm really looking that's... forward to him coming out of his cave and starting to hang out with us again. But you can go back, and you can reminisce with Ron Kittle. So that is also a really cool feature that's on the Socks in the Basement website. Like I mentioned, it's at SocksInTheBasement.com. Just go... I mean, everything's sitting there right in front of you, and there's more stuff we're going to be adding uh, that, that is already in the works. This is a fully functional podcast website. Like, you know, I look at everybody else that does a podcast. A lot of times it, they're part of something bigger and the podcast is just this thing in a corner on their website. This website is literally set up for those that listen to Sacks in the Basement to be as interactive as they want to be with Sacks in the Basement and find any content that they're looking for. So go check it out. You still can listen to it on any podcast player. It's there for you. You can discover new podcast players that it's on, and you can do all those other things that I talked about, and you're going to see new features popping up each and every week at SocksInTheBasement.com. And I'm super excited about the entire thing. I was really nervous before we did this show because for about 24 hours, the site was down because of some technical issue with GoDaddy and the people that designed the site. And now everything's back up and running, and I'm like, oh, thank God, my page is up. But like for like about right. 24 hours, we had no page and I, my, I was pulling my hair out and drinking heavily, but now I'm very excited that it's up. Well, you were pulling your hair out and drinking heavily anyway. I mean, you just, this added to the pile. That's I all. do that. I do that on Fridays. Yeah. You know, that's, yeah, a- that's, just, that's just the weekend for you. <laughs> all right. Talking about the weekend. Uh, yeah. You know, no matter what the result was on Friday night with Luis Robert, and we mentioned him. So this is a perfect, you know, perfect way to roll into something. No matter what happened with Luis Robert on Friday night, I was already excited about the fact that he was batting fifth in the order. When you saw that lineup going into Friday night, what was your response? Because I saw him moved up and I was like, wow, Ricky Renteria would never have batted him fifth. But he's one of the hottest bats in the team right now. And LaRusso's like, put him in there and let him hit. Well, this is the difference between Ricky Renteria and Tony LaRusso. And the difference between a manager who I think still would be looking at the development and the protection of the players versus a manager who's looking at it going, how do I beat Dane Dunning? You know, how do I, how do I maximize the production out of this lineup? Cause that's all LaRusso really cares about. When you see him make moves, you're seeing him make moves based on 
where somebody's hitting, how somebody's hitting, and what they can do. So Robert hitting fifth is very important because Luis Robert right now is one of the hottest hitters on the team. Oh, he's a beast right now, Ed. He's a beast right now. And he's, he's on absolutely. my fantasy team, which makes me even happier because I sat there well, and yeah, held yeah. on to him and waited for this moment. And and, and your vindication draws nigh. I right? know, and it, and it happens against you. I, I was going to well, bring that up. I, I'm sorry I, I to bring up a sore point, but you were kicking my butt all week long in fantasy baseball in our head-to-head matchup that lasts for an entire week. And now all of a sudden I'm projected to beat you when I was getting crushed. But Luis Roberts, a big part, a big part of it. Yeah. Well, and that's just it. Luis Roberts is a huge part of that. And, 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 you know, there's part of me that's always going to be slightly torn. I'm actually in the process of trying to trade Dylan Cease off my team because I always feel like I'm bad luck for White Sox. So I'm hoping that I'll just get him off the schneid by trading him to somebody else. Ooh, what do you um, want for Dylan Cease? What would I trade uh, for a Dylan Cease? I mean, let's think about this. I mean, this is an interesting thing here because you're giving up on him. That's really, that's that's obvious. Like, you wrote that article on Mismatched Sox where you blamed him for all the White Sox pitching woes. Pretty much. And you're giving up on him. But here's the thing. Like, is is it is it too soon when Lynn comes back and LaRusso's talking about, like, they're going to wait until it's the perfect time to bring him back. He could be ready to go right now, technically, if you wanted him. But with the days off, they can kind of stretch things out and go with a four-man rotation until they need him. And then when they need him, he's going to be ready to go, which is good news because that could have been a very long injury. But they want to make sure he's 100%. Look, he's an older pitcher, and uh, he's thick. He, he's not He's not uh, <laughs> yes, an athlete. He's, he's, he's Lamar Hoyt, and that's why LaRusso's te- treating him that way. But once we get to a five-man rotation— are you of the of the ilk that Michael Kopech should be starting right now and Dylan C should not be? That was my that was the 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 bent of what I wrote, right? Was that Cease needs to figure out how to get through the lineup more than once. And he's what he's doing is he's getting through he's really going through about one and one and a half, maybe two times he's getting through the lineup, and he's not able to get out into that third spot. And his stuff is playing well right off the bat, but he's still walking guys. He's still getting hit and it's not quite where he should be. Now, I don't think that ceases to, to the point of, of am I giving up on Dylan Cease? Is it too early? The answer is no, I'm not giving up on Dylan Cease. I actually think he's a guy that has a huge future for the team because uh, he's still young and he is actually making strides, right? But if you're given the choice between say, what, what I had suggested, and of course they'll never do this because I'm a guy that blogs and, and does a podcast and not a major league manager, but what I had suggested was if you're going to use Crochet and and Kopech to, to basically be the piggyback for, for these guys that aren't going into the sixth and seventh innings, so which is really, it's Cease, it's occasionally Rodon, uh, you know, he's he's been through six, he went through only five last time out. If that's what these guys are going to be, why not just commit to piggybacking them? If you're stretching them out to be starters, if you're putting them on a starter schedule, then you could even rotate. You could have Crochet start some games. You could have Kopech start some games. If those two guys are combined for six or seven innings each time out, and then as the fifth starter, you're going to skip their starts. You're going to have their bullpen days be potential days that they could come in and throw an inning for you if you need somebody out of the pen. You can put them on a schedule. You can get them ready for next year. You can stretch them out. If you think Kopech is going to, in particular, is going to build on the start that he had against Boston, and you want his stuff in there, Cease could be in the bullpen as a long guy as well. Cease could also go down to AAA 
and figure some more stuff out, and then he could always come back. But can Kopech really go through the lineup more than once anyway? Because think about it. The the minute this guy becomes a six, seven inning pitcher, he's not going to be ready when you get to the postseason because you're going to wear his arm out. I mean, on one hand, I'm not, I'm not saying that he has to, though. I'm saying is that, that, that if they're playing for Kopech and Crochet and the way they've tried to use them is to use them as you know, as long guys and not use them as you would Evan Marshall or Matt Foster, where you're going to put those guys in maybe three games in a row, right? Or you're going to use them to get, you know, two thirds of an inning one day, and then you're going to have them go two the next day. You know, if you're, if you're using them, not in these high leverage situations, but you're using them as a traditional middle reliever or in sort of the new age parlance, you're using them as the bulk reliever, you know, where you've got an opener basically, and then a bulk reliever, and that's what their role is. You're trying to give them extended innings. If you're if you're going to commit to that, and I think you could do this with Cease too. If you're going to commit to that, then commit to putting those guys on there and just let you know let teams figure out how they're going to go two three innings of Michael Kopech and two three innings of 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 Garrett Crochet. And even if you know those guys are are piggybacked with each other, just go that route. And then let Cease you know if he's going to be in the bullpen replacing those guys as kind of a long guy have him come in and blow through the lineup the first, you know, the, the first, you know, go two innings or so and have him be a longer reliever because he's been able to get through three pretty much untouched, but then he gets, you know, he gets into the second go around through the lineup and the fourth, fifth innings have been trouble for him, right? So he's either got to figure out something in the very near term of how to go through the lineup once and then have something left in the tank to fool him a second time or the Sox have got to figure out some way to make that so that that start, that right now ceases slot, is one that is not going to be four and a third every single time because it just stretches the bullpen and it puts too much pressure on the other guys, especially if he's already used Kopech or he's already used Crochet and hasn't, you know, and he's not going to bring him in in a back to back situation. All right. So in our Dynasty Fantasy Baseball League, you're trying to move Dylan Cease. What if I throw in uh, a Bobby Dalbeck your way? You want him? Bobby Dalbeck. I'll take Dylan Cease right now. So, Dylan Cease is going to be good. You're wrong. I'm, I'm telling you, I think he's going to be good. He might not be perfect for a little while here, but I'm not ready to give up on the guy. I'll give you I'll give you Boston's hot-hitting first baseman for your future. Boston's hot-hitting hot hitting high strikeout first baseman, Bobby Dalbeck. Yeah. What yeah, I'll throw him in. I, I'll, 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 you know what else? I'll, I'll add in uh, Nico Horner or whatever, however you say his last Is that how you say his last name? The, the, the little middle infielder for the Cubs? I'll throw him in too. He just got called up. You want him? Little, little Nico Horner and Bobby Dahlbeck. So, yeah. <laughs> well, this is the kind of thing, though, too. When, you, when you're talking about Dylan Cease in the real world versus Dylan Cease in fantasy baseball, right? So in the immediate future, is Dylan Cease going to help me in fantasy baseball? Probably not because he's got to figure out how to go more than four and a third. Right. And, you know, he's not... It, we're in a points league. That's why you should so, trade him to me. You should trade him to me right now. Okay, I'm <laughs> I'm going to use him in 2022. I just trade him to me. Just make the deal. Right. Well, just make the deal. Ed. Just make the deal. Just say done. Just say done. Just be, just be done with it. I'll make this nice and nice and easy for you. Just stop resisting and 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 say yes. <laughs> you sound like you've used those lines before in a much more malicious way. You know, like you're trying to get information out of somebody. Like stop resisting and just tell us where the diamonds are. <laughs> You know, I get muscle aches all the time. I've gone from being able to do whatever I want to and not feeling any pain to basically getting pain for any kind of physical activity. Good news, there's a local family-owned Southside business that provides a CBD topical that will not break the bank. 
Creaky Bone Balm offers concentrated relief for creaky bones. It is an effective hemp-based CBD in a rejuvenating balm. And guess what? It's made in small batches, always free of preservatives and all natural ingredients. It's great for muscle aches, tension, inflammation, joint pain. You can even use it for skin ailments like burns and dry cracked skin. Right now, go to creakybone.com and use the promo code BASEMENT. Get 20% off your order. And now check out the new 2,500 milligram balm with reduced pricing on their classic balms right now at creakybone.com. A couple weeks ago, I get a package sent to me with a incredible painting of Louis Robert to put in a frame and put up in the bar here right next to the nine foot homemade oak bar right here on the wall. It, it is now being displayed and it was sent to me by a White Sox fan who now lives out in California and has this incredible website where he puts together, I, I, I don't know if he based, we're going to ask him, does he base this off of actual images? Is this out of his mind how he's painting these things? He goes on Twitter by Tom Paints. His name is Tom Borowski and he joins us on the phone lines right now. How are you, Tom? Good, man. Thanks for having me on. No, thank you for the gift. That was super nice of you. I'm overwhelmed by how nice it is. How long have you been doing this? Oh, man. I mean, I, I've been painting my whole life. Um, but, you know, I went to art school and I've been working on animation for about a, a decade now. Um, so I've always been kind of painting. And uh, I mean, most of the stuff I do at work is digital, but uh, I just kind of a couple of years ago jumped back into uh, painting with like, you know, uh, a brush and actual paints again. Um, and I was just kind of inspired by some of the White Sox uh uh, I don't want to call it success, but uh, when they were turning the corner, I was like, this is this is getting to be fun again. So a, a lot of these things seem to be live action. They are they taken from, I don't know, do you pause an image on a screen? Uh, is it a picture that you see or are these things that you are imagining as the artist watching the team and you just go to work? It's kind of a combination of things. Um I have a ton of respect for the photographers that shoot stuff for the White Sox. Um, so I try not to use their images directly because I, you know, that's their work and I don't want to just like uh, copyright their work. So I use a lot of screen capture stuff. Um, I try and find a lot of pieces of images to put together uh, from video. Um, and then I fill in the blanks with, you know, drawing. Um, and a lot of times I, I try and correct it. Uh, with drawing too and fixed proportions and, and things like that. Um, but yeah, it's mostly, mostly video. Um, I watch the games and then I just kind of go back in and try to screen capture certain moments and, and go in and refine it. The image you sent me of Luis Robert is incredibly lifelike. Like, like the detail in it, it all the way down to just the, the facial hair. Like it's, it's really neat. And as I look at it, I think to myself, wow, it's, it almost looks like, like a picture on the other side of the coin. I also see like the picture that you have as your image right now on your Twitter feed at Tom underscore paints. It looks more, I don't, I'm, I don't want to say cartoonish cause it's not a cartoon, but you could tell that you've actually, you've done that in a different style. Do, do you try to mix up how you're painting the, these images and how you're putting together them? I do. Yeah. I work in, so I work in two different mediums. Um, I do a lot of oil painting, um, and that's kind of like the Louis Robert. And, uh, and that, that allows me to get a little more detail and, uh, it takes a lot longer. And those take weeks, sometimes months because the paint dries and there's layers. 
And then uh, other uh, other paintings I use like wash, which is like a watercolor, and uh, and I get a little looser. I like to mix it up where I get more colorful. I just uh, really kind of play on you know the individual colors of the the jerseys, and also uh, pulling out colors that I see in the jersey that aren't you know necessarily there. Um, so it gives me a chance to kind of play and expand. Uh, and I like to work the two back and forth because then it, it just kind of helps like, you know, work in different colors and then painting more realistic. And it's a, uh, it's two different styles I like to play with. I think both kind of help me become a better artist. Is there somebody that's more fun to paint than others on the team? Like, is there somebody that you just find there's just so much about that individual in a white Sox uniform that you, you just can't help yourself. You find yourself doing more paintings of that player. I mean, I think Luis Robert definitely because he just looks like a cool baseball player. I don't like if you're making a baseball player from scratch in a, a video game. It's like Luis Robert looks like that guy, um, and he just has that uh, you know, with the, like the glasses and everything. I think Yohan Moncada is a player I actually haven't painted enough. Uh, it's somebody I want to get to because uh, he's he's also he's a you know super cool baseball player. Like they all are, they all have their characteristics. I, I like the MVP painting I did of Abreu because uh, he just. You know, he's probably one of my favorite White Sox players of all time. So I think there's too many players. I don't even know where to, I'm so, I have such a backlog of, of drawings and sketches I have to actually paint. Anything you'll, you'll plan on doing for the Rodan no hitter, especially with the redemption that I think you could probably bring out in a painting there for a guy that it dragged across the coals by everybody, including myself and Ed, and because he hasn't been able to stay healthy and perform. And now this year, a completely different pitcher and has that moment early on in the season. Any plans to do something uh, just to commemorate that? You know, I have, I have a, the painting sitting right here and I'm, uh, uh, I had a little technical issue with some stuff. So I, I had to uh, get a new scanner or something. So uh, that should be coming out any day. Hopefully by the time listeners hear this, uh, it'll be out. Um, and yeah, that one was pretty special too. Cause Carlos Rodon is a player. I, I loved watching pitch and I was always so bummed that he just never quite panned out. So, uh, his second tour here, um, has been, it's been amazing to see. So this is something, is this a side project? Because you said you're doing animation out in LA. So is this a side project for you right now? Is this something that you see getting bigger? Yeah. I mean, right now it's, this is a side project. It's something I just, I do at night. I stay up late and paint. It's kind of like therapy for me. Um, I work in animation. I, work at DreamWorks right now. I've worked at most of the studios in LA. You know, I've always just wanted to be a fine art painter, but art school costs a lot of money. So uh, having a, a job out the gate was, was important. But uh, yeah, it's something It's getting bigger. Like I'm starting to get more of a following. Um, I just completed like a, a crazy NFT project with uh, Terrell Owens and some of the, um, the uh, tops artists. Um, they invited me to, to work on that with them. And, uh, so it's starting to get bigger. And I mean, hopefully one day I'll be like, you know, too busy where I'm, I have to decide between animation or, uh, you know, sitting in my office painting all day, which sounds like a dream. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Before I let you go, Tom Borowski, and remember, check out what he's got there. Uh, you can get all of his prints. You can check out what's available from Tom. Uh, first of all, follow on Twitter at Tom underscore paints or go to paintedbytom.com. Before I get out of here, though, I got to ask you, as somebody who once lived out on the West Coast for a couple of years, and you being out there, another transplanted White Sox fan, uh, I'm glad to be back. But when I was out West, I had to pick between an interleague game where the White Sox would go to Dodger Stadium or Sox at 
the Angels. I always enjoyed where the Angels play more. Which one do you like better? Oh, man. Personally, like I like the Angels uh, just because getting down there, I can take the train. Uh, Dodger Stadium is it's impossible to get to. It's kind of... I always feel like it's more like going to see a Cubs game um, where it's just, it's packed and there's tons of people. Um, so I, I like going down to Anaheim plus there's a Portillo's down there. So it, uh, it makes it feel a little, a little more like home. I'm telling you, everybody I talk to out West agrees. If you're going to go see the White Sox out in LA, skip Dodger stadium, go watch it when they play the angels. And there's a Portillo's nearby. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I love it. Tom, thanks so much for the gift. It'll be hanging here with great pride. Uh, We're very happy to add it to the walls here in the basement bar where we do socks in the basement. Awesome. Thanks for having me on. Folks, if you're going down to the ballpark or if it's uh, not a home game, you just want to go over to the ballpark area and hang out with some Sox fans because they are all over that neighborhood right around 35th and Shields. Head over to 33rd and Princeton. That is where Cork and Carey at the park is. A Southside tradition with some gourmet burgers that you are going to absolutely love. Plus, they have White Sox viewing parties that you can book. You can actually rent out the entire thing if you want to do it there. And they've got some some spacious areas. They got windows that open up during the summer. They they've been able to use the the sidewalks for outdoor seating. They still have the indoor seating. They've got a great selection of beers and an incredible menu before you head over to the ballpark. Check them out today, 33rd in Princeton, or visit corkandcarryatthepark.com. I look forward to the next time that we get to head back over there and hang out with them. Absolutely. Yeah, get myself that uh, that one burger they got with the chorizo on it. Oh, oh my yeah, God. That was, so that was, oh, no. oh, I'm thinking I, about it right I, now. I had the Irish over. one with the egg and the Irish bacon. Yeah, you had that one. How was that one? I haven't oh, had that one fantastic. Yet. Oh, that's that fantastic. I'm telling yeah. you, the burgers over there are great. They're, 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 it's like this underrated place to go get a burger around the ballpark. I put that up against all the other ballpark food inside the stadium are, are their burgers. I, you know, oh, yeah. I mean, you can go in Absolutely. there and you can get something in the ballpark. I'm not telling you not to. But if you have an opportunity to eat before the game, you know, and stop by the cork, I, I would highly recommend that for you. It's a good time. Good people over there. We started talking about Luis Robert and, and Tom just mentioned him because, of course, he sent us this painting. I'm really enjoying watching him hit. Not just because of the results that he's getting, and you could make an argument like where where are all the home runs at? Don't worry, I think those are coming soon. They'll get they'll get here. But what I like is that he's hitting it where they ain't. He's starting to figure out to take that ball in the outside corner and put it in the opposite field. But he's also adjusting the shifts. And the perfect example is I'm starting to notice, and I, I saw it in person during the Rodon game, where you know the Indians outfielders would look at their hat and they would figure out, all right, I we're shifting this way. And it's not always a shift because of the batter. It's not always because there's a right-handed batter, they're shifting towards left field. It's not always because there's a left-handed batter, they're shifting towards right. Their pitcher might have a plan for that particular batter where they're going to work him outside, so you'd actually shift to the opposite direction that you would traditionally go in. Well, they tried every shift they could in that game. He was hitting it wherever there was a gap. Yeah, he was he was putting the ball even if he didn't get a hit, even if somehow that, you know, a, a great play was made or what, he was putting the ball in the direction of where there was least resistance. And he's taking what the pitchers are giving him. And that's the sign of a young player that's finally figuring it out, something he couldn't do in the second half of the shortened season and something that he's doing now. And that's why I'm starting to feel like we're not going to see that big slump like we saw in September with him. 
we're going to see him get more and more consistent, and we're going to see him in that 3-4-5 spot in the lineup more and more. Dial it back to end of 2019, going into the season in 2020 before the shutdown. And the, the book on Luis Robert was, it's not just the physical tools, you know, the, the, the ability for him to, uh, you know, barrel up a ball, things like that. The power's there, the talent's there. The thing that was most impressive for scouts was Luis Robert was a guy that could adjust as the season went on, as pitchers tried to do things to him, sometimes adjust in game to what pitchers were doing to him, right? So he's had some at-bats under his belt in 2020. He's got you know, a month or so, give or take, into, the, into this season. And if we're starting to see that ability that was, was discussed when he was, uh, you know, coming up last year, if that we're starting to see that and we're starting to see him make those adjustments and say, in-game, I'm going to hit it where the, the, the shift isn't. And in-game, I'm going to, you know, take what the pitcher's giving me. And then as the season has progressed, we've seen him, you know, start to, like you say, take pitches on the outside part of the plate and put them in right instead of trying to pull everything. And some of that, you know, is just, I mean, you watch Jose Abreu, he's pulling off everything right now. He's grounding out weekly or he's striking out. And we all know that eventually he'll get locked in and he'll start hitting home runs out to right center field because that's what he does. And I think that you're going to start to seeing, you're right, you're going to see that with Robert. But this is where he belongs, is middle of the lineup, right? And where he's going to be behind Jose Abreu and where I saw him last night, you know, behind Jose Abreu uh, on Friday night, he's protecting the guys in front of him because they're not going to want to mess with him, which means they're going to have to come at Abreu. And when they come at Abreu, we know what he can do to, you know, fastballs down the middle and rolling breaking balls that are just up there to try and buy a strike. That's when he's, you know, when he's MVP, though, and not, you know, not just uh, an aging first baseman. Well, he's got to stop trying to be an MVP every time he comes to the plate. He's just got. Uh, yeah. He's got to start hitting with with the idea that what do I need to do to move guys over? That's why he was so good last year. That's what led to his MVP season. Right. He would make unselfish decisions about like I'm gonna uh, I'm not gonna take this uh, pitch over here, or I'm gonna try to work it over here to advance the runners, and he let the game come to him. And I feel like uh, you know, I, look, he's an he's a veteran player, but you got to think that. Going to your home stadium and listening to people chant MVP. And then even on the road, you hear White Sox fans on the road, like screaming it. Like you can hear it on the TV broadcast. He can hear that too. And oh, yeah. And and this yeah. is something that I think any human being, no matter what their age is, needs to adjust to. And he needs he needs to adjust to expectations. Because if you think about Jose Abreu, here's a guy that played on really bad teams for a really long time. And when he screwed up, nobody was going to blame him because he was the best thing there. And when he was good, he was beloved, but he wasn't like, he wasn't getting MVP chance. And this is the first time that he walks into a season with high expectations and people saying, can he repeat that? And right. that's, this is probably the season and he has the most expectations heaped on his back that he's ever had. Because even last year, nobody was expecting him to be like an MVP. They were just like, hey, he's an aging first baseman. There was a debate, remember? Do you bring back Jose Abreu? Do you, do, how many how many years do you give Jose Abreu? So this is the first time he really walks into a season with high expectations. Plus, he's a habitual slow starter. So I, I think he's going to be fine, but there's an adjustment he has to make this year that he's never had to make before, and that's to the MVP, MVP. And like him sitting there thinking, I got to get this team going. 
I got to be the guy here. I got to, you know, I got like almost as if he feels like if he starts hitting better than Yo-Yo will hit better in front of him. So, so he, he puts like extra pressure on himself and that's got to melt away. I, I thought I saw, I saw this really funny thing going into the weekend where I guess LaRusso wanted to put him at DH for a second straight game, even though they had had two days off. So essentially he wouldn't have played first base for like four days. And he said, he said he grabbed me by the neck, but he didn't grab me that hard. But it was hard enough that I understood that he gets to play first base. Now, and he was joking. Like, I, I was reading the tweets yeah. about it. It was like, Larissa was clearly just giggling about the whole thing. There's no physicality involved. No, yeah, no. But I mean, it's, it's, but that's, you know, that's his spot. And he's like, no, 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 I'm going out the first base. Like, the man, it was explained to the manager, I don't, I don't DH very often. I think that Tony's trying to keep him relaxed and trying to calm him down a little bit. And again, this goes back to the idea of you might not agree with everything that LaRusso does, but you can't argue with the experience of dealing with this. The amount of guys that he's had who are going th- who have gone through this before, where they were a good player who were elevated to MVP and walked in the next year with high expectations. So, I mean, I, I, I like the fact that he's got a manager there that's already joking about him you know, regularly to try to keep things light. All right, I'm going to get Ed drunk now, and we're going to try to get him to trade me Dylan Cease in fantasy baseball. Uh, I'll throw in uh, Denelson Lamette. I mean, his arm sure is totally fine. He came back and he pitched like three innings after refusing to do Tommy John, and he's back on the IL. But I'm sure he's fine. I have my, my team. That guy's a star. I'll trade you him for Dylan Cease. What do you think? I last I read, he can't brush his teeth by himself anymore. So <laughs> socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always on socksinthebasement.com.